I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We have a special show for you today. We typically try to format the show with a monologue and then a single guest and a single caller. Occasionally we'll do two guests. But today we're doing something a little different because we can. And we have two incredible guests on the show, and that's it. That's the show. But first, a word from our sponsors. Tina Deskovich, who runs an organization called Moms for Liberty. This is a group we've been following at Breitbart and covering for a while now, and they're bringing about incredible change across the country. We've talked for the last year and a half internally about how moms are becoming the heroes in Big Joey's America, and they're doing it with their local activism. And Tina and Moms for Liberty is really at the tip of the spear in this regard. Her organization is now in 34 states and is 85,000 members strong, and she's just getting going. She's got an amazing story. It's totally inspiring, and you'll hear it right now. Tina, welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Really appreciate it. Uh, Tell us about yourself and your group. Thanks, Alex. We are Moms for Liberty. We launched just a little over a year ago, January 21st of 2021, uh, founded by myself and another, we're both former school board members here in Florida from different districts. Uh, we saw what was happening in the country. We know we have the the knowledge from behind the education curtain, we say, from serving in our school districts for four years. And our mission is to save America by empowering parents to stand up for their parental rights. In just, what, 16 months or so, we've grown uh, to 185 chapters in 34 states with 85,000 moms. So if you've seen moms at school board meetings speaking up over the last year and a half, it's probably one of our moms. Uh, it's so great. And again, you go to momsforliberty.org, you can check it out. And I love the sort of interactive map you have there because it just lets you know that you're just all over the place already. And it's a relatively new group. Uh, how do you get the word out? How has it been so that you're able to recruit and bring people to your side? What's the best method for spreading the good news? Honestly, standing up and speaking up publicly, people are scared, especially moms. Most of our members aren't really political people. Uh, Some of them have never voted or have only voted in presidential races in the past. They just, they aren't traditionally um, political activists in any fashion. And so when they see just an ordinary mom, their neighbor, stand up at a school board meeting and speak out against some of these woke ideologies, it emboldens and, and they find their voice and become brave. And we find that the next school board meeting, there's two standing there and then three and then five and then a hundred and then the neighboring community sees it and they start a chapter and it's just really we have put zero dollars the first year into any marketing whatsoever the growth has been completely organic and in that fashion so what issues do you think are the most galvanizing and uh, what are the ones that you think are really uh, the 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 focal point of what you're working towards Yeah, it's interesting because it kind of changes. We aren't a top-down organization. We are very much localized. We organize by counties in the country. We tell them to stay focused on their local government. We believe that's where you'll have the biggest impact and the biggest change. And so they have monthly chapter meetings where they go over local school board agendas and see what the issues are, and then they decide what to tackle. 
uh, honestly, what you see is it's the same issues over and over. When we first launched, a lot of districts in and, and different states were just trying to open their schools and get their kids back in school. Uh, we, luckily, we've moved past that, and then the mask mandates you know, are still an issue. Who, who would believe that two years later? But really, I think the culmination of everything is what parents saw. They saw that their kids were not learning, that they weren't getting a quality education when they, when they saw the things streamed into their home, the, you know, the lessons in the curriculum. And, you know, our chapters are reviewing, they have curriculum committees that are reviewing textbooks, reviewing library books, and parents are astonished at what they're finding. And um, last night we had one of our moms speak on a chapter chair meeting out of North Florida that uh, they found out since 2017 the sex ed curriculum that their kids had been exposed to was um, just over-the-top ridiculous. They had um, condoms that they were teaching them how to use on objects, and, and parents did not know until, you know, they became part of us and learned to do public records requests and find out what's going on. And they're just shocked. I think that everyone is shocked. Uh, I think that this is something that continues to surprise people who don't have uh, young kids. And this is something that I made a mistake uh, of this a while back. I require you a, a bunch of young kids now, but uh, I remember that some of the trans stuff I figured, for example, was something that was only affecting a very small subset of the population and how worked up are we supposed to get about it? And then I had some of my editors at Brightboard were saying, no, actually, this is like a constant everyday conversation in my kids' middle school or high school. What do you guys think of the sort of trans hysterical moment that we're in right now? Is that a big focal point, what you guys are focused on? It absolutely is. If you just check out your local neighborhood middle school, you will see that there are clusters and groups of girls, large numbers of girls coming out uh, in groups uh, saying they are transgender, they're identifying as other issues. It's starting to impact teachers, too, just ordinary teachers that just want to educate students are being kind of caught in the crosshairs. You know, one day they have to call Susie Joey, and the next day, you know, it's George, and the next day she's back to Susie. And it's, you know, because this isn't truly children that are struggling, a lot of it is a social contagion. It's it's really become an issue. But now we're also seeing, you know, what's happened in other countries, the amount of young girls. So in America right now, if you go on... um, uh, what's that fundraising website that you can go on? You can go on there. You know, 40, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go on there. There's 40,000 teenage girls right now trying to raise money for what they call top surgery to literally right. mutilate the top half of their body, which has, you know, obviously long-term effects on their life. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that this is being encouraged by corporate America and not being uh, uh, it is not being fought against to an intense degree is something that's deeply disturbing, but that's where groups like yours come in. And uh, this is why I want to promote Moms for Liberty. You can go to momsforliberty.org if you want to get involved. And I love that it's not uh, top down because it does feel like certain communities have to deal with more. Are you hearing for a lot, from a lot of places that uh, you wouldn't expect? Because it feels like sometimes maybe blue states even will see a greater interest in a cause like this because people do feel so desperate. They feel like they want to fight back, but they can't because, you know, it's the, I got a lot of family out in California, for example, and there's really no Republican party there, so to speak. I mean, there's just, there's, there's nothing. So it's the, uh, the groups like this are the only way you can make progress at all. 100% correct. So we, you know, we are not the Republican Party. We are moms that are concerned about the future of our country and our children. And we, um, you know, a mom is going to stand up. We have lots of chapters in California, in Oregon, in Washington, because 
they can't just sit by. They can't sit down and watch yeah. this happen. And so they are looking for like-minded people, and they're finding them, and they're making changes. It's slower. It's harder. We, you know, we have to uplift them a lot because it's very discouraging in their areas. But we're proud of them for the hard work that they're doing and standing together. Amen to that. And this is where the, 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 the we, yeah, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Maybe this is a way to do it because you guys are getting victories. Uh, give me some highlights. And I, I want some highlights and lowlights. We'll do some highlights first. Uh, what have been some good moments uh, recently? Because it seems like you're in the news a lot right now. Do you feel like are victories you're really proud of? Oh, my goodness. It's really remarkable what our moms have been able to accomplish in the last 16 months. Uh, well, let's go out to Kenosha, for instance. Uh, we are endorsing, our chapters are working to endorse in school board races only. That's the only thing we get involved in. Uh, but our chapter in Kenosha, what, two weeks ago they had school board elections. There was three open seats. Our Moms for Liberty members took two of the three seats, which we're really excited about. And then our chapter vice chair actually won the county um, supervisor position. She ran for a whole other position, and she won. And so Moms for Liberty members, you know, they're not sitting on the sidelines anymore. Here in Florida in February, we took 200 moms to the Capitol uh, to watch, uh, to, to hold a rally on the Capitol steps to support our agenda, which had five bills that we were supporting statewide. All five have passed the House and Senate. The last one uh, will be signed by the governor today, so all five will become law. The biggest one we were there for was to watch the passing of the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which I do not want to call it what the general public and media have been calling it, but it's been you know, coined as the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is absolutely not what it is. But we were there. We were in the gallery. The bill sponsor came out um, and spoke at our rally along with some other members of the House and Senate, and it just was a really great morning for our moms who have not been political to really see how they can have an impact in supporting and yes. their children. So we've just had some, some great things happen in the last 16 months. Are you finding, and I think I know the answer to this one, but I want to ask anyway, are you finding that a lot of people who are not, who don't think of themselves as conservative at all are coming to you and saying that I'm just fed up with X, Y, or Z issue, and they're realizing that it really is the, there's a common thread here that a lot of these themes are leftist themes. I mean, that's part of why things are getting so bad. It's the left is ruining things, um, but yeah, the, the people aren't natural conservatives. Yeah, it's not, you know, the left even is kind of not even the correct statement, I feel like, anymore, because we have uh, a lot of independents, um, even as leading our chapters that are stepping up to lead them. But we have current and former Democrats that are coming over that would still consider themselves rather liberal, I would say. Uh, But they are, you know, I have a good friend I grew up with who reached out just two weeks ago in a text. And, you know, she's always voted Democrat. She um, just kind of a mom that doesn't pay attention a whole lot, probably votes just in presidential elections. And she texted and she said, Tina, my daughter just texted from the high school bathroom. There's a boy in a dress in there blocking the sink. Is is this allowed wow. to happen? You know, because she knows what, what I'm involved in. And I said, yeah, sure. it's absolutely allowed to happen. And, and she was shocked. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take the people in their own communities that think it's somewhere else, not there, uh, waking up and people are going to move over to our side in this fight. Yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, I want to ask you about something I'm afraid to ask about, which is low lights. Were there any moments that were you were so blown away? Maybe it even turned into a victory, but a moment where you were so shocked that something is happening in the country that you thought that how could this possibly be happening in America? You want to make me speechless? I mean, where would you like me to start? I think... <laughs> The, the books, the textbooks that are, you know, our chapter chair in, I think, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, All Boys Aren't Blue in the elementary school library, um, 
these books and then finding that, you know, half of America is supportive of pornography in our children's library. Um, and then when you wow. dig in, so yeah, like they, you know, school, school districts and school boards are voting to put these back books back in the library and they're okay with it. And I, you know, it's hard to talk about because without seeing them and reading them yourself, some people are like, Oh, you know, you just want to censor, you just want to ban books. And when we show them the graphic depictions that are, you know, are being put on display in schools of children having oral sex of all types of things that are just unacceptable by anyone's minds, it, it's shocking that they want to put them back in to the schools. And then, to be honest, Alex, when you dig into the roots of this, I, I spent two days in bed with a migraine after ordering uh, Dr. Alfred Kenzie's books because um, he was a sex doctor, I guess, in the 40s and the 50s. And when you go on to the website genderbreadperson.org, that is something that school districts around the country are using to help teach small children that their gender is fluid. They quote Dr. Kinsey in his great research. And when you dig into his research, it is so atrocious of what he did to babies and toddlers to to come up with the idea that that children don't have a gender and that they can be sexually attracted to any gender. It is um, it's really some sick, sick stuff that I, you know, as America, I don't know how we're going to get past this and overcome it when half of the country is embracing that sick, sick, sick ideology. Do you think that it is, there's some, uh, things have gotten too far because, you know, the pregnant man emoji is something that almost seems like a joke, and yet that's, that's here. And I think that does kind of send a signal to people that, it's really game on. And unless we start standing up and fighting back that we're going to go down this really dark path of total chaos here in our communities. And it seems like maybe that is propelling people to your cause at this time. Yeah, I absolutely believe that what you're saying is correct. So we, we're, we're in a pretty bad place where they are normalizing, you know, despicable acts on children. They're sexualizing our children. They're trying to rob children of their innocence. I mean, they're, they're targeting pre-K and K, telling them they can be a boy or a girl, neither or both. No one can tell them their gender. Uh, when you read their documents and you see that, that their you know, top 10 goals are to dismantle the nuclear family, um, yeah. people have to start paying attention to that. And I think they, they are waking up. They're seeing it come home in the backpacks. They're seeing it in the lessons. Um, you know, they're finding the boy in the dress in the bathroom intimidating young girls. Um, you saw in, in Loudoun County, Virginia, where a girl was actually raped in the bathroom by a boy in a dress. Like, these things are coming to light. Parents are not going to, they're not going to stand for it. They will not, you know, just throw their children to the wolves. They're scared, um, but they're coming over. We're, we're allowing them to be brave. We're, we're empowering them. We're giving them a safe place to come where we support them. We give them the room to change from, from their old mindset to the new mindset. And so I think that's why our movement has been so successful. Tina Deskovich is with me, Moms for Liberty co-founder, momsforliberty.org. If you want to get involved, then you should. Uh, what is your goal long term? Uh, the, the, what do you think is the main uh, objective here you're shooting for? For us, it's it's in the public education realm. You know, conservatives for decades have been um, school choice. That's been their solution to the public school problem, and we support that 100%. You know, I pulled my son out of public school two years ago with all the COVID mandates and put him in private, but I did not leave the fight. 85% of American students are still in public school. We've turned our back for decades on public school, and that is why we're seeing what we are seeing. So we have to get involved. We have to embrace. Our long-term goal is to have one chapter in every 
county in America, so our goal is 3,000 chapters, and have a Moms for Liberty member at every school board meeting from now till the end of time, because we teach them to look in the in the consent agenda, in the budget, to see where these things are happening, and we have a network through the country that helps each other, um, you know, you find something, and then you share it, and then you know to go look for it in your next school district, so this just never happens again. Um, what prompted you to get involved, Tina? What did you? What was the moment where you said, "I'm going to dedicate a lot of time to this"? Because this is a really massive undertaking. You're managing now uh, just uh, so many chapters all across the country and trying to keep an eye on everything that you should be fighting back and making decisions on where you want to put your effort. It just—it's a ton to take on. <laughs> what made you decide this was a calling? Yeah. So it's you know the the. The realm of public education and the concerns I've had has been a calling for some time. Years ago, got involved just kind of more at the local level in 2016. I ran for school board here. Florida districts are very large. Uh, We have 70,000 students in my district, a billion-dollar budget. It was a big undertaking. Served for four years. That whole time, I fought for parental rights. I was part of a parental rights, parental school board organization that saw the erosion of parental rights happening, um, trying to sound the alarm for four years on what was happening in a very red community where I should have had support was was challenging. You know, we went to the Republican Party time and time again looking for support when our our school board meetings were filled with seas of red shirts, red for ed, the teachers union, just hundreds of them at our school board meetings. And I couldn't get a conservative to take a look, to show up. School board... um, textbook curriculum reviews. They're open to the public. I would put out all calls, please come review these textbooks. One school board member cannot review 12 years, all the classes of textbooks. Community has to be involved. So Tiffany and I, the other co-founder, this is what we saw. And when we joined forces and when we saw America was starting to understand the problem during COVID, we knew it was time to act to bring parents together. I want to ask what you think is the most urgent cause right now. So if parents who are listening and anyone who's in their community and thinks they want to join your cause, what is the best thing they could do, the most immediate thing they can take action on right now? Yeah, so as far as joining us, you know, go to momsforliberty.org and click on the chapters. You can see if there's a chapter in your community, join it. If not, click start a chapter and start it. But if you are concerned about a specific issue, you're wondering what's going on in your local school district, do a public records request, a FOIA request, whatever it's called in your state. Um, it's You have the right to contact your school district and act. ask for your LGBTQ support plans, your transgender support plans in your schools. When you open them up, and you realize that they are purposely inserting themselves between children and parents by saying, deceive the parents, deceive the parents, use this gender and name in school, but do not let the parents know. When you see that kind of stuff with your own eyes in your own conservative school district, you will be shocked and you will join your Moms for Liberty chapter and get moving. Tina Deskovich, MomsForLiberty.org. Uh, last one, I got to ask about the media. This is my this is my favorite. Uh, I assume the establishment press has embraced what you're doing with open arms and portrayed you entirely fairly the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know, we do not. Uh, our funds are very limited. We do not have a press broker. We do not have a PR leader. Tiffany and I take every press hit that comes our way. We've had over 1,700 press hits, you know, since we started. Wow. We, we Yes, it's really remarkable. We've been on um, Meet the Press, CNN. You name it, they invite us, we go. We are not scared. We take those interviews. They abuse us. They beat us up. I went on the doctor's show, and, oh, they ridiculed me and tore me up. But we go because we find people. People see that and go, wait, I agree with her. She is, she is right, and they join, and they join in droves. And so we put ourselves out there. We're pretty tough women. We take it, and uh, we know it's going to bring the right people to us.
Well, I think you it, it's definitely working to say the least. And uh, typically in the, the media world, if uh, you're only taking flack when you're over the target. So I think that's the case here. Uh, again, congrats on all you've done and uh, hopefully only bigger and better things and come back and check in with us at some point. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the time. My pleasure. Take a quick break. Be right back. been the case for some time now, we've been trying to elevate online influencers on the show who publicly embrace Breitbart and share our content all across the web and help us become more popular than we already are. And one of the most popular people who we've had on to date in this new endeavor is former Real Housewife of New Jersey, Siggy Flicker. Siggy was a Bravo celebrity for a couple years, but now she spends her day fighting on behalf of MAGA, Israel, and conservative causes across the board online. And she really brings the fire, but you don't have to take my word for it. Let's hear from her. Here's Siggy Flicker. Siggy, great to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So let's uh, talk a little bit about your background because you are most famous for being on Bravo and Bravo is not known for being a conservative network. It's part of the sort of NBC universal family. And you use that as a trampoline really to jumpstart, I think, a pretty activist political life that you're in. And can it give us the arc for people who aren't familiar with you? Okay, well, I've been a TV personality for the past 10 years. Um, luckily, you know, uh, you're absolutely right. I had a mission. I was going to go on The Real Housewives after being on several shows and being in the liberal entertainment industry for over 10 years. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give it one last shot. I'm going to go on Bravo. I was the first Jewish housewife of New Jersey. And what I wanted to do was basically educate the viewers out there on anti-Semitism, you know, and just bring a little bit of my family life on. I mean, I'm the daughter of a Holocaust scholar um, and survivor who ran Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Institute in Israel for over 25 years. He's written 23 books on the Holocaust. And my father's job at Yad Vashem was he headed up the Righteous Gentile Division, which is a division, people don't know what Righteous Gentiles is, they're non-Jews who risked themselves during the most horrific period of history to save another life. And my father has honored his division, his department there has honored over um, 36,000 non-Jews who hid Jews during the war. So I wanted to go on the show. I knew it was going to be tough to be in, you know, you're really in the liberal, liberal swamp when you go, you know, when you're in the entertainment industry. And it's 24-7, um, a push against you. Um Everything was going great. And, um, you know, when they discovered that I was a Trump fan, a supporter and a, you know, uh, Republican and a conservative, it, um, you know, it affected me in the editing room. It's the same thing that they did to our great president. And when I say president, my president is Donald John Trump. So there's a thing in the media and in the, in the editing room, it's called selective editing, false narratives, you know, fake storyline. What they do is they take a five-hour scene and they edit it into a two-minute scene. You'll see it now with, you know, Pierce, Morgan, and Donald Trump. You know, you could create any narrative you want when you don't show the, the viewers the full footage of what happens. So it's a lot of showing reactions 
and not the prior interactions. So I knew that my time on um, Housewives was going to be short-lived. And my husband and my children were against it. They did not want me to do it. And I said, listen, I'm going to make Jersey great again. And I realized that I couldn't make Jersey great again when I had, you know, everybody there was silent, even though they all voted for Trump. A lot of people in the entertainment industry are silent. Um, I have celebrities calling me all the time saying, Siggy, God bless you. And it's very easy for me because I don't need the money and I don't need the fame. I already have the fame. I'm recognized everywhere I go. And, you know, fortunately for me, I married a man who does very, very well. So for me, it was a point of I've got to make a difference. I've got to go out there and at least get people to start opening up their minds and remembering that, you know, a nation that forgets its past has no future. And it's very easy for Cubans or people from Venezuela or people from Israel or people who are you know, travel the world to realize what communism really looks like and tastes like. And that, my friend, is what we have coming to America. And remember, it only took Venezuela less than 15 years to go from one of the richest, most beautiful countries, rich in economy and, 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 you know, wonderful to what it is today with, you know, people looking for food in garbage cans. Socialism is a very big disease. And right now we have a lot, a lot of bad people in a lot, a lot of high places who are pumping out this false narrative machine. And now, since I left the entertainment industry, I decided to join a wonderful group called Jexit, which stands for Jews Exiting the Democrat Party. And we're working with Tom Holman, who's the former director of ICE under President Trump. When he was uh, the director of ICE, we had the securest border in history. He worked for six presidents um, prior to Trump, and we really want to educate people so they can vote with their brain cells in 2022 and 2024. Uh, Siggy.flicker on Instagram if you want to follow Siggy. And uh, tell us a little bit more about Jexit and if you want to get involved, where they should go. Well, if you want to get involved, just go to Jexit.org. But we are having um, a gala at Mar-a-Lago and... um, it's really, really important. It's, it's, it's important for everybody now to wake up and try to wake up your friends to, you know, to, to be responsible and, and to vote logically. Jexit is not looking for much. We're not looking for, you know, anybody to be donating money to us. We're just looking to educate the people and understand that we must preserve our borders. People don't understand. And the reason why I like to talk about it, because I'm a legal immigrant who came to this country using the front door. And that's very, very important for people to understand the difference between an illegal immigrant and a legal immigrant. We have over two and a half million people who have poured into this country. We don't know why they're here. And, you know, we all have homes and we all lock the doors when we go to sleep and we turn on the alarms. And when we wake up in the morning and we turn off the alarms, we still have our doors locked. We don't let people into the house who want to sell us fentanyl, who want to rape, who want to, uh, you know, destroy our homes. America, without a border, you're, you don't have a country. So we got to preserve our borders, our language, our culture, our way of life. And, um, you know, it's just about educating people because the progressive and radicals are working together to undermine and destroy Western civilization. And people have got to wake up to that. And I'm not doing it, to, you know, for myself. I'm doing it just for the future generation of America. I feel horrible when I look at my children and know that my future grandchildren are going to be growing up in something that is not America. 
So right now, the landscape of America is being changed and it's being watered down. And I want people to realize that our inalienable rights come from God, not government. We need more God and less government. And the more that this radical left, which is the new Democrat Party, it never used to be like this. People need to realize it is no longer the party of JFK. It is no longer the party that, you know, believed in um, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It is now a party of radicals and progressives that are destroying America. And it's okay to say, hey, I was wrong. Maybe I didn't like Trump's delivery. It's okay. You could say that. Maybe I didn't like the way he talked. But when you go back and you realize his policies were on point, he had America first policies. Our country was thriving under the leadership of Donald John Trump. You don't have to particularly like the man or like his, 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 his Twitter rant. That's okay. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But to vote against him because you didn't like his tweets and now to have a man who can't spell Bob backwards, who doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and to sit there and not say, hey, okay, I got to admit I made a mistake. It's imperative that everybody gets out in 2022 because we are going to take back the House and the Senate in 2022. And Donald John Trump will be back in the White House in 2024. You have to get used to it because it's, it's coming. It is coming. So I urge everybody who's listening, please get out there. You don't have to tell anybody who you're voting for. You don't have to talk about it like I do. I like to shout it from the roofs. I'm obsessed with what I do now. I don't talk about housewives. I don't talk about any of that garbage. I talk about saving America. You don't have to talk about it. Just please get out there and do what you need to do in 2022. And don't, don't, don't worry about the cheating and, and they're going to cheat again. 20, 25 states have already you know, adopted um, voter uh, integrity laws. Things are being changed. It's going to be a lot harder to cheat if we get every single person to go out there and truly vote to try to save the greatest country in the world, which is the United States of America. Uh, Let me ask you about something you mentioned earlier, but then we kind of came back around to it, which is the importance of some people. I know everyone can't do this, but to, to speak up more, because I was... Uh, a little more uh, tolerant slash open-minded to people who would just quietly have viewpoints that might be more aligned with ours. I, I don't think that that's the way to go anymore. I think people do need to be more vocal um, because I think there is strength in numbers. And I think this is one of the reasons why you're seeing these things like in Disney and Twitter and the, the woke vacation of these companies, I think is partially because the only vocal people there are these angry millennials who know there's no there's no consequences for them if they speak out very loudly, which is why it is important for people like you, for people like me to encourage people to get out there. And it's not just enough to vote the right way. Uh, You also have to be outspoken. I think at this point, 100% silence is not golden. It's not golden. Not, not at this time, you know, for such a time as this, it is imperative that everybody use their voices because what your viewers, what your listeners right now need to realize is the we have the majority of people think like you and I, 
We love this country. We love the Constitution. I stand proudly, and my favorite song is God Bless the USA. I, I cry. I would die for the United States of America. This country has given so much an opportunity and a dream to live our lives in freedom and to be, you know, to, to, to be anything that we imagine or we dream to be only in the United States of America. And people need to realize that the more you open up, you you open up your voices about it, you're going to realize how many people think exactly like you. How many people think, wow, why are they trying to talk about sex to a three-year-old, a four-year-old? Well, if something in your gut comes to you and says, this is not right. This is not right. What's going on here? I mean, everything that's woke turns to crap everything that does within a matter of time. And right now, we're in the part of, of, of history that's called the Great Awakening. People are realizing that the people that they trusted in government are really not for you. I mean, think about it. Who made the most amount of money while your, your family suffered? Who made it? Yes, Jeff Bezos made it. Walmart made it. All the big, big billionaires that have already have tons and tons of money. But the middleman, the middleman is being completely wiped out. My fellow Americans, that's what communism is. You have the really, really rich and the really, really, really poor who rely on government. They rely on government for everything. No, the first thing you want to do is not rely on anybody but yourself, not government. And it's really, really a shame to see what happened to good old families, the middle class families that are being completely wiped out. So this is the time to stand up. This is the time to get involved and you will find out we are 80%. We are the majority. They're the minority, but you think that they're so great because they've got a hold of of social media. That's why conservatives are being shadow banned. That's why followers are being taken away. I don't allow people to comment on any of my posts anymore because I'm making it. it, It's a principle. It's it's, it's out of principle. Why should I allow liberals to allow, allow them to comment on my social media platform, but the conservative comments are being taken out and we're being censored? It's not fair. If it can't be fair, then no one gets to comment. I put out my content. I say what I have to say. I say, research it for yourself. If I'm wrong, I will apologize. But loving America can't be wrong. Standing up for the Constitution can't be wrong. I mean, there's a list of things that can't be wrong. And everything that they're pumping out is wrong. And plus, when you have people, members of their party, like Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Linda Sassoor, AOC, these are anti-Americans. These are people who pump out false narratives. Right now, it's being placed on Israel, the country where I was born. Such false narratives about Israel being an apartheid state. I I encourage people to go to Israel. Go visit Israel and see how women are treated in Israel. Go see that women have equal rights. They don't need to have their uncle or their brother escort them when they walk down the street and they want to go shopping. Go look at how the LGBT community lives in Israel. Go to Gay Pride in Israel and see if it's happening in Gaza or in any other Middle Eastern country. There are such false narratives being placed out there, and Twitter and social media platforms are proud are proud to keep pumping them out. I encourage people to do their own research and to get out there and be loud and be proud.
I have to ask about what it was like when you were working for Bravo and NBC as a conservative. And it's clear watching so many of the shows and they're pretty much constantly on whenever my wife is not too busy in my household. There are so many conservatives in the cast, but it's not necessarily something that's steered into um, by the production team, but you know the production team has got to be really liberal. Uh, did you feel that you were discur- that you were discriminated against? Do you feel like there's a lot of 100%. people who were si- silenced? Uh, just give us some insight. Yeah. One hundred percent, I was bullied. One hundred percent, and not by the cast members. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Siggy, you were so soggy on the show." You know, if you talk to my mother, she says my daughter Sigalit never cries, and I'm not a crier. I'm I'm, I'm a very hyperactive, energetic, passionate. Um, person. Um, I cried all the time because I hated every minute of being on that show. I know it's surprising for a lot of people because when you hear, oh my God, I would die to be a housewife. Oh my God. Imagine having to hang out with the liberal entertainment industry um, five days a week, eight hours a day. I wanted, I mean, you're literally swimming in a swamp and it is disgusting. There was nothing that I enjoyed about it. I was couldn't wait to get out of there. And it wasn't because of the people at Bravo. It wasn't. They had nothing to do with the show. They hire the cast, and then they hire a production company. The production company was intolerable. Once they found out that I was a proud Trump supporter and a proud conservative, and I was not backing down from my views, no way. They came at me in the editing room, and that's where it gets frustrating. Show two women fighting, show the real scene, and let's get the show on the road. But when you're always protecting the most liberal on the show, and you're protecting them in the edit, it changes the narrative. It changes the narrative, and that's where I had a problem. It changed the narrative. So I had a very, very big problem. My husband said to me, Siggy, you got, you, we, you got to get out of this because we can't stand it. We can't stand knowing. We knew what the truth was and what they were presenting. And I had people, the cast people, my friends on the show say, Siggy, pretend you're a liberal. Tell them you hate Donald Trump and that you don't support this. And I, wow. said, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm telling and I want the, I want your, 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 your viewers to understand most of housewives throughout the franchise are Trump supporters. They will, in order to keep their jobs, they don't talk about politics. And some of them, if they do talk about politics, they'll talk about their love for Biden. Because, you know, when you have children and your paycheck, you know, you're looking for that paycheck to pay your mortgage, to pay your rent. And I understand that. And I told them, keep quiet. I'm not encouraging everybody that you have to be a big mouth like me. Because I could do it. I have the freedom to do that. But a lot of people are stuck and they say, this is a job for me. I've got to keep quiet so I can make the paycheck. But in the liberal entertainment industry, I'm talking about A-listers. I'm not talking about B, C, D, E, or F have called me. All Trump supporters and they're quiet about it. So interesting. Siggy Flicker, again, is a former New Jersey housewife, now Instagram influencer on behalf of, I would say, MAGA America, as well as the Jexit movement. And you can check that out online. Siggy with an ass dot Flicker on Instagram is her handle. And uh, she mixes it up with the Breitbart audience as well. And Siggy, really appreciate this. I really want to speak with you some more. I'm out of time for today, though, but hopefully you'll come back because we have a lot more to talk about. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you.
for today's show. Thanks so much to producers Haley and Greg Eben for putting it together and keeping everything running smooth at Breitbart News Daily and the Breitbart News Daily podcast. And of course, thanks to all of you for sharing our content wherever you are inclined to do so. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Apologize.